You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg and Cody Wilcox. And we'll start with big, big news from the Maryland basketball programs. They announced that, and the athletic program announced that they will be building a new Maryland basketball practice facility that will be an extension to the Xfinity Center. And Cody, you guys, you and Lila were just at the press conference where Damon Evans, the athletic director, announced this this news. So what what did you hear from Coach Turgeon and Coach Brenda Freeze? Yeah, I mean, this was... Uh, something that is really, really important to the program, uh, and that was reiterated a lot throughout that. Uh, Maryland is actually one of only two Power 5 programs to not have a practice facility, with uh, Boston College being the other one. And with the level that Maryland is competing at with both Maryland men's and women's basketball and every single top 10 um, preseason ranking and just uh, really at a big time for the programs. You have so many Terps in the WNBA and the NBA, and it's a big year for them. Um, this is something that's really needed, and um, not only uh, for recruiting, but also Turgeon talked a lot about just how needed it is and how kind of the inconveniences that they've had in the past uh, with being restricted uh, to Xfinity Center and things like that. And uh, they already, uh, just to clarify, I think there's been a lot of confusion online from people thinking that it's going to be paid by the state or anything like that. To clarify, it is going to be completely privately funded by donors and friends. It's a $36 million project already with $19 million raised. It's going to be 60,000 square feet, and it's looking pretty impressive. What do you think of the plans, Cody? I think they look amazing. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. On the sketch they did, and you noticed this, Lila, that... Scott Van Pelt is pretty much on every TV there. And I think that that's pretty funny to put him in there, but it looks amazing. And you even mentioned this earlier, Lila, but when have you seen Turgeon that excited and that I haven't. Happy? Like, I don't even think he was that excited after Belmont. Like, he literally got up to the mic and, like, jumped. Like, because he was so excited. And then uh, I think later on he had, like, a mic malfunction. He was like, that's just because I'm just so excited, guys. And he was like, nah, like, it's not my fault. I am not playing with the mics, but really, I'm so excited. Like, he's just, he said he's been asking for this for uh, basically six or seven years, and he got here nine years ago. So it's something that he's really excited for. And we can actually play a clip now talking a little bit. Uh, We'll play two clips, one of his excitement, and also just kind of saying that, you know, while this helps with recruiting, just explaining how much they need it. And just to clarify, the new facility will have two full-length courts, lounges, a strength and conditioning facility, you know, locker rooms, and many more things. Yes! <laughs> I am so excited. You have no idea. What a great day for men's and women's basketball, uh, our athletic department, uh, for our university. Uh, it's just a, an amazing day. Uh, there was many days I wasn't sure we were going to get to this point. And... Um, an amazing day for our student-athletes, just the opportunity it's going to give them. Um, I have a really hard-working group. We have a great culture uh, with our basketball program. And sometimes there's just nowhere for us to use that culture. Uh, and now we have no excuses uh, with this building. So it's a tremendous day. Uh, there's so many people I want to thank. Uh- the rest of it is basically him thanking people, which we won't get into. But, you know, obviously 
it's a great that all these donors are getting involved and helping so that it doesn't need to come out of state dollars. But what I really want to play is this clip because um, it's really interesting to hear specifically how much not having a facility has impacted this program because it seems like it's really taken a toll. It's an arms race in, in, in college athletics, but this building is needed, okay? Damon talked about how we can have concerts in this building and make money for our athletic program, which we need, okay? But we can, we need it. And let me tell you one story, and I'm not going to tell a lot of stories, but, and I'll just tell you one instance of why we need this building so badly. Last year during finals, we, this building is for graduation. Our other building is for dress rehearsal for graduation. We have nowhere to practice, okay? We have a small window of when we can practice because we are student athletes, right? Well, we were supposed to practice in one building, but it was raining and there was a roof leak, so we couldn't practice in that building. So we tried to get into another one that day. We couldn't practice. The next day we were able to get into it. But while we were doing that, it's 48 degrees and raining out and we're running in our practice uniforms and our managers are carrying things from this building to that building so we can have a practice. And we're Maryland basketball. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So a couple of years, hopefully we're not doing that. Uh, people on campus have been great, but you think about those days of practice too, you don't have extra time to get free throws in. The building was throwing us out. We had an hour for practice in that building. And they were throwing us out because they were closing down because of finals. So we had one hour and we we're preparing for a pretty big college basketball game last year over Christmas, right? So this building is gonna allow those days to go away. So it's a needed building. And that's what I want to get at. We're going to build an unbelievably beautiful building. Uh, I think we've designed it 16 different times already. Um, and we have a lot of work to do out there still. And Damon said it. And I'm all in on this baby. We're going to get it raised. It's going to be, campus is going to be proud of it. We're going to raise every dollar. We're not going to have to borrow any money from anybody. We're going to get it done because we're Maryland basketball. Thank you. I don't think I've ever seen him jump like that. I don't think I've ever seen him say, refer to anything as baby or, you know, it's just, he's really excited and to think that it has affected them that way, you know, Maryland and women's basketball are vying for times. Brenda Freeze was saying they're kind of always going back and forth about who's going to get morning, who's going to get afternoon. So with having the two courts, having medical facilities, training facilities, um, it really helps. And then of course, it's a big thing for recruiting because Turgeon was also saying that, you know, he would have recruits come and they love the program but then they're going and visiting these other schools that have just these amazingly impressive facilities and that's a big draw for guys so I think it'll also help a lot with recruiting. I think what you just said about recruiting is is what I was going to go at and it, if you have a, a player visiting either men's or women's and they go to the other schools and they see the facilities there that's probably one of the bigger attractions even more so than the program itself so I think yeah, this, these are 18-year-old kids. They like stuff that's shiny exactly. and looks cool. So, I mean, I saw the design. It's all over Twitter already, and it's it looks like a state-of-the-art facility that I haven't ever seen in my life at any other school. So, I mean, I think this is great for the pro both programs, and I think the better players in the country will want to come to play at schools that have these types of facilities, and I think that'll help a lot. And how about having Maryland with Cole Fieldhouse? and that whole facility that they're putting up, and now the basketball one. And it helped a lot of football recruiting. That's how they land. That's part of how they landed Anthony McFarland is that it wasn't built then, but 
uh, Dirk and back then could say, look, we're having this amazing facility built. They could show them plans, get them excited about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like Matt said, it's going to be big on recruiting. You know, their recruits are going to want to come, see it, pose in the Maryland jersey in it. And I think it'll it'll pay off in the long run. And there was a picture of the uh, the locker rooms that they have designed, and they they almost look like locker rooms that I I've seen in Madison Square Garden for the New York Knicks. I mean the way it's designed and shaped, and I think that it's just the the whole design of it really can can get recruits to come play basketball here, both men and women. And I think that really really helps both programs tr- uh, tremendously. And speaking of Anthony McFarland. Cody was on fire with the predictions this week. I was very excited for him while we were in that press box. You predicted Anthony McFarlane would have two touchdowns and Maryland would have two interceptions, and exactly that happened. How does it feel to land it on the mark this week, Cody? You know, I got to chalk it up to teamwork, if we're being honest. Um, you know, <laughs> when you go 0 for 4, I think it was 0 for 4, you know, your confidence kind of wavers. It wavers a little bit, but I had... You and Matt have my back the entire time, and I really appreciate that. And let's let's go get another one. You really maximized. I really maximized it. We took a full advantage of the day. You were just locked into those predictions. Yeah, but I mean, he he had a really good game. He did a lot of things, and then Javon Leak, he went off for three touchdowns. Was it Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week? Yeah, a hundred yard return. That and he bobbled it. When we were talking yeah. <laughs> when we were talking to him after the game. I asked them about it, and I said, you know, you, you bobbled it, and then you took it. He's like, yeah, the sun was in my eyes. Like, I couldn't really see it, and he just took it right up the right sideline all the way to the house. And that was coming out of halftime after Josh Jackson went down with the injury in the last minute of the first half. And you told you they were, like, shouting house call, right? They were shouting house call before when they were coming out, you know, lined up for the kickoff. Um, Ely, Yende Ely. Who will have a story coming on this week? Yes. He was one of the players uh, shouting that. And every time he told us that uh, a kickoff is about to take place, whether it's practice or in the game, he tells Javon Leak, you know, I'll meet you at home. I'll see you at home. And that time it just turned out to be true. But it was a, it was a quite a way to start the half, even with a large lead. I saw a video that um... – the Maryland Terrapin football Twitter posted and Loxley actually said the same thing to him. He said, I'll meet you in the end zone. And he ended up getting there. So, I mean, I think him actually bobbling the ball helped him because the block, the blockers were able to set up and really the, the players on the kicking team were running on Rutgers and trying to tackle leak and get to the ball that he, he muffed the kick really. So it, it helped him. He picked it up and he had the whole right side open. And then if you saw the video, uh, I think it was fleet Davis was, in the midfield waving at leak to come on come on and he ended up uh not even being touched and he was all the way in the end zone yeah and it was an impressive game for maryland there i think there were some issues initially uh you had that first drive of the game for Rutgers, where they look like maybe they could get something going and they were missing a lot of players you know as we talked about they are without their quarterback who decided to redshirt and then right before the game we hear news that their best uh, that Rasheem Blackshear, who is their running back, but also their best receiver, would be uh, trying to do the same thing with redshirting and wouldn't play. Um, but then they got the tackling cleaned up in the second half. They had that first drive by Josh Jackson, uh, but then, you know, struggled a bit. 
is that concerning? How much can we actually take from, you know, a win over Rutgers, especially such a dismantled Rutgers team? And I wouldn't even say it was a drive. It was one play. Yeah, it was just, it was literally they, one play. They, <laughs> and I told you this during the game. Every, it appears like almost every game they go to an RPO with Anthony McFarlane, Josh Jackson, and I think the majority of the time is Dante Demas Jr. coming across a slant. And that time it worked for, I believe it was like an 80-yard touchdown. Right? Yeah, 80 yards. Yeah. Longest of uh, Jackson's career. Yeah, that's right. So after that, they their offense was boomer bust the entire day. They struggled on third down, but if they got big plays, they were able to put points on the So board. many big plays. Yeah, there's so many plays of, you know, big uh, yardage. You had the uh, 100 yards. Uh, you had... Um, you had the 100 yards. You had uh, Javon Leak with another one that was kind of, I think it was uh, 42 yards and uh, a couple lovers from other players that were just big, big plays. A career, second career long rush, uh, I believe it was for Anthony McFarland. And it seems like Cody, sadly, is going to have to leave us shortly. But, you know, we have to get your predictions and we have to get every week Cody has had a guy that he's just like always talking about in the press conference with us like, over messages Asking on the podcast. Roxy. Yeah, so we're going to be calling it Cody's Man Crush of the Week. Okay. Uh, so who is your Man Crush of the Week this week, and what is your prediction? So previously, I didn't have one last week, but previously against Temple, it was Sean Bradley, who came up with multiple big stops on fourth down. This week, we're going with the wide receiver, Rondale Moore. Had a crazy... If tw- he plays. If he plays, yes. he's He's dealt with some injuries. We're not really sure whether we'll see him on the field on Saturday or not. But even Shaq Smith was telling us, like, he's dynamic, he's electric. So he is my, what do we say, my man crush of the week? Yeah. Yeah, so keep an eye out for Rondale Moore. As for my prediction, I'm on a hot streak right now. So I'm going 35-21, Terps. Terrell Pigram, Piggy, has three total touchdowns in that game. All right. Sounds good. You will hear Matt and I's uh, predictions later as we get into that. You will be missed. Yes. I will see everybody next week, though. And good luck on your picks as well. We'll uh, see who wins. All right, so we'll get back to that game. Uh, and then we'll get into Matt and I's predictions later and what we see coming up with that matchup. What stuck out to you from this game? I think it was the ability to have the big play. And we just talked about it a few minutes ago. But obviously against Penn State, they had zero points. They could not convert anything, and they never had that big play. The big plays were all for Penn State. The first two offensive drives, uh, offensive plays for Penn State, they were touchdowns. So every time the big play happened, it was for the Nittany Lions in that game. And it seemed like this time, every time a big play happened, it was for Maryland. I didn't see that many big plays, if any, from Rutgers. And I thought Maryland's defense stopped them basically the whole game. I mean, just one score, and it was early on in the game. And their offense really, I think on all sides of the football, really, offense, defense, and special teams, everything was clicking. Maybe not perfectly for the offense, but they still put up 48 points. So, I mean, I think all around it was a great performance. And it's it. I mean, you you asked a little bit before if if you can look at a win like this and then you just see oh it's against Rutgers. Does it really mean a lot? And I think it does, because the all the talks from the last week or so or the last three weeks since Temple was 
the confidence has gotten lower and lower for Jackson, for the whole team. And I think this game, it really got boosted back up. And you can clearly see that on the faces of the players during the game, the energy that they had, and the kind of tempo they played with. And I think it'll kind of translate in the coming weeks. Yeah, it was it was tough to see uh, Jackson go down with that injury right now. He is day-to-day, according to Loxley, uh, with a high ankle sprain and some foot stuff going on as well. So they'll just be keeping an eye on that. But for this week, we know at least that uh, Tyrell Pigram were, would start. And after he came in in that game, uh, he went 13 for 18 on his completions, 111 yards. And he also had five rushes for 22 yards. What are you looking to see from him this week? What do you see from him in that game? Do you think he is capable of leading this offense from what we saw? Well, I think the entire offense is, and we'll get into Purdue's defense. Um, I think Maryland's offense this week is going to rely heavily on running the football. And we saw it. I mean, we've seen the now three running backs that they have. It was five and now it's three. But, I mean, they're so, so talented and they can – make a big play at any point. And I think giving the running backs the football is really going to be one of the main things that Maryland Maryland does this week. And I think Pigram, I think he throws a good football, but he's not as smart as Josh Jackson in his decisions. And we could say, I mean, you can, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I think, I think Pigram is, I think he does throw a good football. He's, he's fairly accurate, but I think he's more of a, a running type quarterback kind of like Michael Vick, that's a good comparison. So I think I I mean I think he'll run a lot, a lot of QB draws and I think that'll be the main point of the offense is just running the football and a lot of ground game. Yeah, uh, Pigram is not going to be your quarterback that's going to be throwing an 80-yard pass like you saw of Josh Jackson right. in that first play. Um and I think while we thought that Josh Jackson was a better decision maker, I don't think that we saw that uh, in the losses to Temple and Penn State as much, uh, which was definitely concerning. Um, and so one thing that Loxley's talked about, and I didn't really initially believe this at first, but it seems now that it seems like maybe it was closer than we thought, the competition between uh, Jackson and Pigram over the summer, you know, obviously waiting till the last week to let us know who was going to end up starting. Um, so he clearly has confidence in Jackson, uh, sorry, in, uh, in Pigram, and he had mentioned that um, he's really seen him improve his throwing ability uh, through the offseason until now. Um, but I think that is a concern. For me, I look at that Ohio State game where he overthrows that ball and Maryland could have upset Ohio State. And that one play, he overthrows it. And he told us that still haunts him. Um, he still thinks about that and watches that. So... I want to see more accuracy from him. I want to see more throwing, but I think you're right. I think the key with Pigram is really um, letting him be that dual threat and let him really, you know, run the ball and things like that. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll get into Purdue's defense and how young they are and their defensive line specifically how young they are. A lot of freshmen and, and a couple sophomores, but I think that it, it will help Maryland run the football because – and it'll help the offensive line actually block because Maryland's offensive line has been the key point of struggle so far. And we've been saying that basically since they lost to Temple. And when when you run the football, the main part of it, other than them being able to break tackles, is the offensive line blocking. And I think the past couple games, 
they haven't really since Howard, the first game of the season, they haven't faced a team with a young defensive line that Maryland's offensive line didn't struggle with. So, I mean, even against Rutgers, it was it was like obviously you saw Josh Jackson go down with injury. He got hit a couple times, um, but I think this game will really be a lot of running for Maryland's offense, and their offensive line will have a bounce back game, and they'll be able to actually block and protect Pigroom and the running backs so that their offense can produce. Yeah, I think that's what is going to set Maryland apart. So we've been talking about the offensive line all year. And they struggled in that first half against Rutgers. I mean, they looked terrible. I mean, you don't really even have that good of a defensive line in Rutgers. And um, it just, they did not look good. Um, Just like missing blatant tackles. And um, it's really been all over the place. But then, you know, you saw them clean things up um, in the second half, which I found was really encouraging. And I think also the thing with Pigram is that he can get the ball out a bit faster than Jackson could. And I think that'll really help too, that when the offensive line is struggling, that he can get the ball out and um, be able to make those plays. But we're talking about this defense. Let's first just talk about, you thought Maryland was struggling with injuries, right? There are currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 players for Purdue that are out. Um, like we said, we don't know. Right now, Rondo Moore is not listed on the depth chart, but you know he's kind of a guy that they're still watching, so he could end up playing. We don't know. And then you had uh, Elijah Sindelar, who was at quarterback and was looking good to start the year, get injured. Um, and then you talk about the defensive line. They had Anthony Watts and Lorenzo Neal, two defensive tackles for them, go down. They had Marcus Bradley go down at linebacker. Um, And then you then look at what they have left with that uh, defensive line. You have at defensive tackle, uh, you have one senior, two redshirt freshmen, and a sophomore. At defensive end, you have a freshman and a redshirt freshman. At one of their linebacker positions, you've got two sophomores. So this is a very young defense. How do you see that playing in? Do you think that um, that's going to help them, or do you think these young guys will step up? I think it helps Maryland, and I thought it would help Maryland when I keep going back to this Penn State game. And it, it, I, Obviously, Sean Clifford, he's not young, but that was his first career start on the road, the quarterback for Penn State, and he destroyed Maryland. But I think this is a little bit of a different case because when when you're on offense, you kind of you set the tone, really. You have the ball. You kind of make the plays, and I think it's on Maryland now to really – run away with this game I don't think it'll be a blowout but there will be a few big plays that Maryland is able to break free and it's going to be that they're young their backups their starters are obviously injured we mentioned and I think there'll be some miscommunications on defense for Purdue because I mean they're having the whole week to prepare but Maryland's a team that they move the ball pretty quickly and they and we saw it against Rutgers they had bang bang plays where it would be one, uh, one play, touchdown, two plays, touchdowns. Not really long drives from Maryland. And I think that is really what kind of can hurt Purdue because if you have these big plays that Purdue can't stop, it'll just be a lot of scoring for Maryland and a lot of time that the defense – or a lot of uh, different drives that the defense will end up on the field for Purdue. So 
I mean, I think that them being young actually helps Maryland in a way. And you talk about that youth that's actually like a point that is on their media guide this week is called Youth Movement. Including 10 starters, the Boilermakers have had 27 true or redshirt freshmen play in the first three games. Uh, I guess that was written before they had some more games. Uh, I guess maybe their media guide they gave us isn't as updated, but so I'm sure it's now actually even more than that because you've had injuries. Maryland isn't playing a lot of freshmen. Um, You've seen some get in, but that's a significant number. Yeah, and football, college football is a sport where the freshmen, unless you're amazing or a highly touted prospect, you don't really, you don't really see too much time. And you mentioned Maryland doesn't use too many freshmen. Really, the only, the main one for me is Nick Cross in in the secondary, but because there's so many injuries there. But I don't think he would have seen as much time as he is if those injuries hadn't happened. But I think. Obviously, Purdue's record is one and four, and you mentioned how the first three games on the media guide it says uh, how there's been so many freshmen to play, and they're still Purdue was a decent team last year. Now they're one yeah, they're win. They're looking good. They, you thought they were going to be ready, and then you just get those injuries. Like one win and four losses for them so far, and I think that has a lot to do with them being young. Last year they went six and seven overall, but also something to look out other than them being young, is the fact that these two teams don't really play each other ever. Yeah, they don't. They've played twice in their program history, and Maryland has won both of those. So I think it's it's definitely a game that I see Maryland having the leg up, and a main component of that is the youth from the defense of Purdue. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, Cody and I predicted that Purdue would win this game. That was before, though, that there were any of these injuries. It looked like this was going to be the game where Purdue gets back against Maryland, but now I think Maryland is going to have that edge with all of these injuries. Uh, we talked about Rondale more if you then look at the offensive end, and you know there are a ton of injuries at that end for Maryland, as we mentioned, at quarterback, at uh, wide receiver, um, and that'll be very interesting to watch. Um, you know, Rondale Moore, uh, ha- as of 2018, sorry, from last year to when he stopped playing, had 143 career receptions, which was 14th in school history. Uh, he was, you know, 15th in school history with receiving touchdowns and was fourth in school history with career 100-yard receiving games with nine. Um, and now you have David Bell coming into that role. He's had 17 receptions and 300 yards, but only a touchdown. Um, so he's definitely a guy that is talented as well, but you know, if Rondale Moore is out of this game, that's big for Maryland, especially since you also have a quarterback who was not meant to start. And it's the second straight week with a quarterback and the main offensive player other than the quarterback not start or potentially not starting if uh, Rondale Moore does not play in this game. So Rutgers, obviously, we saw their quarterback and their best running back, who's their best offensive player. They both sat out because now they're redshirting with the the firing of their head coach but and now two uh, a week later against Purdue their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year gone uh, went down with injury so now he's out and their best wide receiver their best offensive player can potentially be out of this game so that's two or four gifts that Maryland's been given and they really did well with that against Rutgers only holding them to seven points and 
now here they have a chance against Purdue with the quarterback out and their best offensive player potentially being out. Yeah, and so when you look at that quarterback position, as we mentioned, you had Eliza Sindelar, who was meant who was starting and looking really good. Uh, he had nine nine hundred seventy eight yards, was completing sixty four point three percent of his passage, averaging eight point seven yards per play, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, was looking really good. Then you have him go down, and you get J- Jack Plummer in there, who is likely to start uh, with Aiden O'Connell as the backup. Um, you know, Plummer hasn't looked as good as him, but he still looks like he can get some stuff done, though there are some concerns there. So um, he has 548 yards, uh, 50.5% uh, percent on completion. He's only averaging, though, 5.6 yards a play, uh, but what re- and he has four touchdowns, but what really stands out to me, four interceptions and 14 sacks. He has lost 115 yards on sacks. With Maryland's linebacker unit, what do you see happening there? I mean, the linebacker unit and the secondary, even 17 straight games with a takeaway for Maryland's defense. And that obviously, I think, will continue in this one, as you just mentioned. Already four interceptions, just four touchdowns as well. So, And you said he he gets sacked a lot. And I think Eli, Keandre Jones, and Shaq Smith... They are. They have been phenomenal. They've been the three-headed monster for Maryland's defense. I think they will get to Plummer a lot in this game, and they will sack him a lot and force him to turn the ball over. I'm going to say he has multiple interceptions in this game. So, I mean, I think the defense for Maryland has been or was very solid against Rutgers, and I think it'll continue into this game as the inexperience from from Plummer and how he's gotten sacked so much and has turned the ball over and Maryland's defense gets sacks so much and they have takeaways so much. So it's really all in favor of Maryland in this one. Yeah, Jack Plummer is a freshman. Get this, his QB rating right now is 30.9, which is 116th in FBS. That is horrific. Yeah, I don't know how you could be a starting Big Ten quarterback and have that kind of rating, but... I think that again helps the Terps. <clears throat> Excuse me, helps the Terps a lot. And I mean, there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of sacks in this game. Yeah, you I, said interceptions. I see that too. But you know, Cody predicted predicted uh two interceptions last week. I'm going to predict that Shaq Smith is going to go out and have two sacks. I can see. Either here, Keandre is going to have a big sack game. I'm calling it now. You could see Ainda Ely, Keandre Jones, Shaq Smith. They could all get to the quarterback. They can all intercept the football. They, I mean, obviously Jones and Smith are more rushing, rushing the quarterback type linebackers. But I think they will really do. I mean, those two guys are NFL caliber players. I think they'll both play in the NFL one day. They're bigger than everyone. They're stronger than everyone. They're faster and they're they're smarter on defense and they get to the quarterback. It doesn't matter what team it is. They've they've shown they they are the two bright spots, really really bright spots of this defense. And I think you're right with at least two sacks. I think maybe combined they could both potentially combine for maybe four sacks if they both have two, but Jones and Smith really are the the key guys in this game for the defense and I think they'll get to Plummer a lot. Yeah, and the thing of it's going to be interesting is you know Purdue doesn't really have 
much of a rushing game. Currently on the season, they have 254 yards on the rush. That is it. 254 yards. I think Anthony McFarlane probably has has that, you know, he's had that almost like in, well, no, sorry. He hasn't had that almost in a couple of games, but he definitely has more than that on the season already. Um, so that is uh, not a great number there. Leading running back um, is also out now. Um, so that was uh, Duvry, or Dury, and he is out. So now, uh, or sorry, no, he is still in, uh, King Dury, um, and he has 157 yards on 48 attempts. That's only 3.3 uh, averaging, only two touchdowns, and his longest run is 15 yards. Um, and that's the longest rush anyone on that team has had. Like, that's really bad. Um, but then you look at the receiving, and I think that's interesting. While you do have this inexperienced quarterback, uh, you know that they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, currently, they, you know, have uh, 1,527 receiving yards. If you look um, at those numbers, you also have 13 players, 13 different players with a touchdown, which is significant. Um, but when you have some a quarterback who has thrown a few interceptions and is young, I think Maryland secondary can use that to their advantage, especially if you have Rondale more out. Uh, and that'll be interesting to watch. But it's definitely going to be a game where you're going to see them passing a ball a lot because if they do try and run, I think Maryland's going to stop it right away. Yeah, I think the, the linebackers, the line, they're, they've been doing a great job at stopping the run and limiting big plays. They've, they've done that in their three victories. They've limited the big play. And I think in this one that continues. And as you said, the run, if Purdue tries to run the football, it will be stopped right away. I think Maryland's a bigger, a stronger, and a more more talented team than the Boilermakers are, and I think throwing it, it'll be hard all day on offense for Purdue because they're gonna try to run the ball, then it'll be stopped. If they throw the ball, there's a chance that Plummer gets sacked. He throws an interception. I think just a lot of experience for this defense for Maryland. It experience and talent will help them prevail over Purdue's lack of experience at quarterback, and on defense. Okay, and before we get into predictions, I have to talk about their jerseys. Have you seen these? I have. Oh, they're absolute fire. I mean, I think these are better than some of Army and Navy's jerseys by far. Like, this is, in my opinion, hands down the best college football jersey of the year. Uh, Cody tweeted it. If you're not following on him on Twitter, you should be. It is on our account as well. They uh, are honoring... Uh, different astronauts they've had in school history. Uh, they had Neil Armstrong and Gene uh, Cernan, who both went there. And so with Homecoming, and they've educated 25 astro- astronauts as well. Um, and so for Homecoming, they're going to be having this jersey. It has been blowing up on Twitter. Uh, you've got a nice uh, white jersey, uh, a really cool uh, gold helmet that has one giant leap on the back. Just the jersey's kind of all white. It's decked out. Um, you've got this cool like moon landing badge. You've got moon prints on the helmet. Just some clean gold going on. What do you think of these, Matt? I think the jersey doesn't help them play a better football game. <laughs> I know, but you have to admit it, it's it does, a really it cool does, jersey. They're yeah. going to get very dirty. Let me just say that. These are not going to look very <laughs> nice by the end of the game. Well, I, I think they do look nice, and I think it's an awesome idea, the, the moon landing and how they've had astronauts. And I think – 
now college football in its 150th season that's on every jersey too so the homecoming games each team is coming out with these really awesome jerseys maryland happens to be going back to that terps cursive lettering on the helmet uh, in their game against michigan and these are i think these might be just as cool as the maryland homecoming jerseys i, I have to say I, think, I i i hate to say it you know i love the throwbacks but these are clean like you got the gold visor. You've got this awesome badge. Like the detail with the footprints on the helmet. If you guys haven't looked at it, go look at our Twitter and check it out. I mean, I think people tweeted it too. I don't know what Army Navy is going to have this year, but right now this is my uh, uniform of the year for college football. And like I said, I think the I think they will not be white by the end of this game. No, they certainly won't be. So then what is your uh, prediction for this game? Clearly it seems like... Uh, we think that Maryland is going to take this one. What is uh, your prediction for it? Well, the predicted score from oddshark.com is 35-19 to 19 Maryland. The spread is now in favor of Maryland by 4.5 points, and the over-under is at 58. So I'm going to take the Terps. Um, I think they win 31-20 to 20 around the predicted score, which means that they would cover the spread. By winning by 11 and combined they would be under the 58 over under so i'm gonna go with a predicted score uh, you guys were both in the 30s um but i'm gonna go uh i think with uh 42 21 i think that pigram is gonna be really excited to get his first start he is not while he's coming for a lot of games He's not a guy that's seen a lot of starts. And so I think he's going to be really excited to be in that role. I think this team has confidence in him. And I think uh, he's going to put on a show. I think that, like I said, they've got a really, really young uh, group in the trenches up front for Purdue. And I think now having a quarterback who can get it uh, out of uh, who can get it out of the pocket and you know get the ball out quickly is going to be really important. And that the offensive line will also have more time. And then I think on the you know, defensive end for Maryland, like I said, this if you're out of Rondale Moore, that's their main source of offense. And you've got a very young quarterback who I think that Maryland's linebackers are just and defensive line is going to really take advantage of. So um, and I think you're going to see some interceptions as well. So I'm going to go with Maryland, you know, going high scoring. I think they'll allow 21 points, maybe a little less. We'll see. But um, I, I think this will be a big coming out game for Pilgrim. I think he wants to show, hey, look, Josh Jackson may have an ankle sprain, may have this, uh, you know, high ankle issue. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but I'm your guy regardless. I think he wants to come out and show that. I think so too. I mean, his whole career, he's kind of been the back, the back, uh, the backup. He was the backup to Kasim Hill, and then after injuries, he, that's when he really gets his starts. And he he has been solid. I mean, he almost beat Ohio State last year. You mentioned <sighs> that, so. And that's going to be with him. He says it's with him every day in practice. I think he has a chip on his shoulder to do something great for this this program, and I, I, I do think he'll have a really, really solid performance. And speaking of some greatness, what a weekend and what a week for non-revenue sports. Yeah, I mean, 5-0 and this weekend for okay, okay. all sports. They but... were saying 5-0. and Volleyball lost on Friday. I consider Friday the weekend, so I'm not... I know Marin loves to say five and zero, maybe five and zero on Saturday and Sunday, but for the weekend, you do have that volleyball loss. But besides that, what an impressive week! I have to say, of all the teams that got ranked wins, and there were a lot. I think, uh, you know, every team got a ranked win except for volleyball because Michigan State wasn't ranked. Uh, I'm really impressed with women's soccer. Uh, 
I thought they were going to be terrible this year. I mean, you lose your leading scorer. You've just been awful in recent years, but they look very, very good right now. Uh, they had a record-breaking performance on the weekend, winning 6-2, most goals uh, since 2014 since 2013, most goals over a Power 5 opponent since 1998, and most goals ever scored in a Big Ten game. Four of those coming in the first half. So many different players scoring. They have knocked off ranked teams this year, beat Rutgers, the best team in the Big Ten that they'll play as they won't play Penn State. Uh, they're 7-4-2 seven and f- seven, four and two right now, already with more conference wins and more regular wins than they have in recent years. And I really see uh, Ray Leone turning around this program right now. Do you think that they can do something this year? I mean, I don't know how far they can end up going, but I yeah, think, I'm not saying they're going to go I that think, far, but I think they might. They can get. Yeah. they can get into the tournament and maybe win, maybe two uh, of the games in the Big Ten tournament. I think they. I mean, as you said, it they lost their leading scorer and there was really no expectations for them to be good, and I think that's kind of what's helping them. And Maryland, Maryland's always, across all sports, they've always been kind of under-the-radar performers. If they're not looked at as great, they perform really well. And when they do have that high, high ranking, they kind of don't perform really well. So, I mean, Maryland women's soccer not really having too much expectations kind of helps them. And they've been able to perform now with seven wins on the season and just beating uh, Illinois on Sunday it was. So that was... Unreal performance from them. Anytime you see six goals in a soccer game, that's really something to look out for. Yeah, definitely. On the other side, you also had men's soccer. Uh, they picked up a rank win themselves. Yeah, they defeated Rutgers at home 3-1, to one, and it was their first victory of the year that wasn't from a one to nothing score. So, and it was their first victory of the year, obviously, by more than one goal. So, an upsetting, you know, Cal State Fullerton, a really good team, second win over ranked team this season. Yeah. So, they've had two straight really solid wins. And we saw uh, David Kovacic have his first uh, two career goals in the game against Rutgers and then shutting out the number 14 team in the country. They've had plenty of shutouts this year, obviously. All I think but- number 15, but yes. Uh, Did they move up after losing to Maryland? That would be interesting. Number 14 or number 15, because there's two soccer poles, but one of the two. um, But I have to say I'm kind of annoyed, not with the men's soccer team, but just with the SIDs, still no clarity on Brian Padilla's possible ACL tear. It's been multiple games now. Or sorry, it's been a game and then the game where it happened, and we are told we're going to be getting – Uh, Some info on that. A day after it happened, we texted, responded. So we don't have an update for you guys on that. But if he does have an ACL tear, that's a big factor. All we know for now is that he's out. And they will look to face the Spartans from Michigan State on Friday. And this is now the second time they've won two back-to-back games all season. So they're looking to win their third straight game for the first time all year and I think a win against Michigan State would put them at 7-3-1, and 2-1-1 in the Big Ten. That would really, really help them move forward and progress and I think they have a shot to get back and make a run as they did last year. And field hockey I think is the most impressive from the weekend. 
Noel for Frost sure. was named the goalkeeper was named defensive player of the week again for the Big Ten. Her, uh, I believe it's her second of the season. She allowed just one goal in two games, and both of these games were against top five opponents. The first was on Friday against number five Northwestern. That was on the road in Evanston. They won two to one in double overtime. Emma DeBerdine stole the ball near the uh, Northwestern goal, and then she took a shot across the net, and it went in into the back of the net. That won the game in double overtime. She's a freshman. She's been unreal for this team, drawing so many penalty corners. Just She's just all over the field. She's really fast. She kind of gets through everyone. and she. I, I don't know how many goals she's had on the season, but I think her goal totals have been up than what people expected, and I think the way she sets up plays and kind of sets up the offense really, really helps Maryland progress. And also they beat number three UConn on Sunday. They shut them out two to nothing, and this was a rematch of the 2017 National Championship game. So they've now won eight straight games, and they play the sixth straight, their sixth straight ranked opponent when they take on number eight Iowa on Friday. Then they have Indiana Sunday, both of those games at home. And I think another player to look out for other than Emma DeBerdine is Linda Cabano. She has seven goals on the year. Oh, she's, she looks so good right now. Yeah, five of those seven goals have been in the last three games. And I think really I, I follow uh, along on Twitter with, with us. And when I'm not at the games, I'm looking at um, all of the updates. And it's really just saying Cabano goal, Cabano goal. And yeah. It's it's <laughs> all the time. This She's been really, really solid and a player that – I don't think many people expected her to break out like this, but she has. Yeah, and and with that, she missed the first two games of the season, and she still has seven goals and is leading the team. Like, five in the last three games? That's crazy. For field hockey, that's not... It doesn't happen much. Yeah. Um, You don't see that a lot, and I think that's been really, really impressive. And you just can't take two top five wins in one weekend lightly. That is very impressive. And I think that says uh, this is a team that can get it done with the national championship this year. I mean, I, I I think they can get it done. I think they obviously went to two straight and they lost. And I think this is, I saw the team last year and I think this team is, is better than they were last year. I think. Yeah, they, I was covering them last year. I think they look better this year as well. They, the way they've played against ranked opponents is you've ne- you never doubt them. I've never doubted Maryland even in the overtime games they have yeah. the edge they're just not you know getting the shots you know in but they're, they're taking the edge I mean just one loss and eight straight wins so now they're 11 and one overall three and oh in the big 10 they're really good and I, I they were number four last week I don't know if the new poll came out but I think they should be in the top three this week there is no reason why they should not move up after beating number five, the number five and number three teams. So, I mean, this weekend, obviously, they have to go out and beat number eight, Iowa, and they should beat Indiana. Indiana is not not one of the better teams in uh, in field hockey. So, I mean, I would expect them to go out and win this weekend, but that would make them go to 13-1 and one and and I think I think they they get back to the national championship. I think they could win it this year. Yeah, um, you know Iowa's a good team, but they've played six straight ranked opponents. They beat every single one. This team isn't slowing down anytime soon, in my mind. Yeah, they have all the momentum in the world. I, I don't think there's any p- more possible momentum that they can have. You said it best: six straight uh, 
Well, this is their sixth straight, so five straight Sorry, games against ranked opponents, and they've won all of them. And that just shows the kind of team that this is and what, what they're capable of. And one team that we've talked about being really disappointed in so far this season is volleyball. Uh, they are 9-7 and seven on the year, only 1-3 in conference play. It looked like they are going to be 0-4 in conference play this weekend. They got swept by Michigan State on Friday, and then we're – sorry, they got swept by Michigan. And then they were playing Michigan State, um, and they went to five sets. And uh, But for most of it, it looked like Michigan State was going to take it, and they came back and got the win so that they could pick up their first conference win of the season. But this is still a team that I'm very concerned about because, you know, Michigan State wasn't even ranked, and they have struggled against them. Michigan isn't ranked, and they've struggled, and they're going to be playing a lot of ranked opponents coming up. So that's one team that um, I had really high hopes for going into the season, and I'm uh, doubting a little bit right now. And this was their first win ever in program history against Michigan State, so another milestone for them. They're having some milestones, but they're not necessarily winning, as they are just 9-7. and seven. I thought they would be a little bit better than that. But I think it's it's a lot of a lot of their quote-unquote struggles have to do with are the fact that they have two players that really just dominate the offense, and they don't really have kind of a versatility where they can go to different players. And I think other teams' defenses and other teams' blockers know that they're going to set to the outside to Erica Pritchard. They're going to set to the middle to Katie Myers. And when those two players aren't in the front row, it's it's a lot of a lack of production from the offense for Maryland. So I think getting more players involved and trying to get talent and really get other players to perform the way that Pritchard and Myers do, that, that will end up helping uh, Maryland Volleyball. And before Matt wraps things up here, we have a bit of announcement for the podcast. We have officially created a Twitter for the podcast network that you could follow on Twitter at Testudo Times Pod. Uh, you can find us there, see different things that we're doing with the podcast. We'll be posting podcasts, different uh, videos from podcasts, and you can tweet at us. You can message us. Let us know who you want on a podcast. Let us know uh, who you want to talk to. We might be doing some Twitter posts uh, and if we like your comments, you might get a shout out on the podcast. So definitely be sure to follow us at Testudo Times Pod and interact with us there because we want to hear what you guys want to be hearing on the podcast. And we'd love to get some of your voices on the show. So as Maryland football uh, takes a trip to West Lafayette, Indiana to take on the Purdue Boilermakers, we'll wrap it up with there. But we'll we'll have all the coverage for that game and all the non-revenues this week is there's a lot of Maryland sports that really have been in deep into conference play so far. So stay tuned with all of Testudo Times coverage for that. And we'll be back next week with a recap of Purdue's football game with Maryland football.